0: Hey, pals, Um, it has been a long road trip for us here at the Relationship Road Trip this year. And so we're just going to take a quick little rest stop and um, we're going to replay one of our more popular episodes. This was the finale of season one, The Road to Happiness, and it's got a lot of plays according to our analytics. So for those of you who've already listened to it, listen to it again yeah and for those of you who have not heard it i hope you enjoy it i think it's a good one and we'll be back next week um wrapping up our current arc and launching into the next one but for this week it's a rerun enjoy welcome to the relationship road trip Navigating the twists and turns of all the important relationships in your life I'm Ben Azevedo, your backseat driver With an attitude of gratitude, baby I'm Dr. Don Fernando Azevedo, clinical psychologist,
1: executive coach, and voiceover artist Your navigator
2: And I'm Kim Azevedo, licensed marriage and family therapist Your mechanic
0: All right, listener, buckle up for the last leg of this drive
2: Today's quote is by Fred DeWitt von Amberg. None is more impoverished than the one who has no gratitude. Gratitude is a currency that we can mint for ourselves and spend without fear of bankruptcy.
0: All right, today is our season one finale. We will return next year with a whole new series of discussions about, you guessed it, relationships. Today, we turn our attention to gratitude, in honor of Thanksgiving tomorrow, and also gratitude to our listeners for bearing with us for our first year of podcasting. Thanks, y'all! How does gratitude affect mental health and relationships? Research in the last few decades,
1: which is now categorized as positive psychology, has established a significant difference in the improvement of mental health issues by the addition of gratitude journaling
0: or letter writing. I want to talk about positive psychology. Okay. This is a, okay. I mean, I, I, we have like notes or whatever, but this is a capital P positive psychology thing, right? So it's like an organization.
2: It's a, a branch it, of.
1: It, it's a, yeah, it's more like a thought. So when you talk about psychoanalysis or cognitive behavioral therapy, positive psychology is like those, a designation. Okay. It's like of a, a school of thought. St- yes. Mm-hmm. And okay. A, and, a, cool. and a
0: set of treatment strategies. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Sweet. So that says that, uh, it's good to write letters of gratitude. It's the activity of writing, uh, of actually taking the thoughts that are
1: rolling around in your head and putting them outside of yourself. That seems to have the impact that we're looking for and gratitude journaling, just writing down during the day, here are things I'm grateful for. Uh, like for instance, the other day when I was out working out early in the morning, there was a lunar rainbow. So it's a ring around the moon that looks like a rainbow all the way around the moon. Uh, it's very cool oh, wow. and it pops up every once in a while, but it's beautiful. I've never seen that. Well, you have to be up at like 5.30 in the morning. <laughs>
0: hmm, I'm gonna put that on my not worth it list.
1: <laughs> but I was, I was really grateful for seeing this and just letting that beauty touch me, even though I was doing sit-ups. So how does gratitude work? It unshackles us from negative emotions. We are programmed in our brain to, to gravitate towards negative things, to look for what's missing or to look for what's harmful. And it takes more effort to look at what's positive and what's, um, what we're grateful for in the world. And the more we practice it, the better we get at it. Gratitude even helps if you don't share it. So if I think grateful thoughts to other folks, even if I don't share it, it's good for me. Of course, as, as um, William Arthur Ward, a different quote, said, feeling gratitude and not expressing it is like wrapping a present and not giving it. So think about giving, <laughs> giving that gift of gratitude to other people when you do feel it. That's what the gratitude letter is about. So if if I'm thinking back over my life and I think this person made a huge impact in my life, sit down and write a letter about that impact and send it to them.
0: Hmm, I like that.
1: Yeah, have you ever thought about doing that for any of your professors from college or from uh, high school?
0: Um. No, I, although I, maybe I will. I, at the beginning, sort of like, first third, maybe of pandemic lockdown, I sent out some
3: postcards,
0: postcards. Uh, Yeah. I might've talked about this on the show. I don't remember. They weren't really like exactly what you're talking about. They weren't like gratitude necessarily. They were mostly just reaching out to some people I had or hadn't talked to in a while and saying like, Hey, we're all in this tough situation. Here's a cute picture of my dog to lift your spirits. But that was really nice. You know, I I get kind of the idea that doing the, I guess, physical act of writing a letter or just writing something down helps kind of bring you into the moment and helps you slow down and appreciate the gratitude that you are feeling. Yes. I did
2: write gratitude letters to a couple of teachers. Ben, you had Miss Mobley in high school, I think. Maybe not. I thought I
0: had the other the other fifth grade teacher.
2: No, 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 no. This is high school. She's the AP oh. English teacher. I she was I... notorious for being super hard, but taking her class actually really prepped me for college in being able to write very synthesized essays in a very quick amount of time. And I wrote her a gratitude letter, but she wasn't working at the high school, and I didn't have her address, so it kind of, you know, fell through. Uh, and then. I wrote some, I will call them sassitude letters uh, to my college, two of my college professors who were not as supportive about getting a master's degree. Mm -hmm. And when I, you know, got my master's degree, I wrote them and I was like, hey, I wanted to let you know that without taking your class, I wouldn't have gotten to where I got So it was a backhanded gratitude, but I was grateful that I learned what I learned in their classes, despite them being not particularly supportive teachers.
0: Mm -hmm. Does that count as a gratitude letter?
2: I was, I mean, in my heart, yes, I am grateful for learning in their classes.
0: That seems Um, like giving somebody a present, but the present is coal.
2: (laughs) I mean, I did say it was a sassitude. Yes. Um, well, you know,
0: and there's some level of
1: gratitude there, and that's the important part, even if it's wrapped in a bit of sass. The benefits from gratitude do take time. In one study, gratitude writing, the journaling or letters or other kinds of things like that, had a distinct impact at four weeks, enough that it was statistically significant. The cool thing was that it had a much larger impact at 12 weeks. So the cumulative effect of bringing yourself back to the things that you're grateful for, uh, apparently has a, a, a major impact in your life.
0: That's a lot of letters to people, but I guess they're more talking about the journaling thing.
1: Yeah, the journaling is, is really what's happening there um, more than the letters. The letters can be an aspect that's sprinkled in, but that's like a spice. The journaling on daily events is really where your, your mindfulness and your connection to the present moment is, is uh, strengthened. And gratitude has lasting effects on the brain. All of these findings are in the preliminary stages, but they're usually using functional MRIs to look at what's going on in the brain when you're engaged in an exercise of gratitude. So this would be while they're um, doing journaling for gratitude. And there's huge amounts of activity in the medial prefrontal cortex. And this is the area that's associated with learning and decision making. So gratitude also has the capacity to increase very important neurochemicals. When thinking shifts from negative to positive, there is a surging of feel good chemicals such as dopamine, serotonin, and oxytocin. Dopamine and serotonin are the ones that we have all the drugs for, for antidepressant, anti-anxiety stuff. Isn't it cool that your body could do this just by changing the way that you think? Oxytocin is the pleasure drug. This is what's released after orgasm. It's what's released during breastfeeding it's what's released when you have that wonderful postprandial experience after Thanksgiving and you're full and your belly is full.
0: Wow, we've really covered a lot of like physical sensations in the last 10 seconds.
1: <laughs> are you grateful?
0: <laughs> no.
1: I not do really.
2: want to throw in there that medications and antidepressants and anti anxiety meds are not bad. Yes, your brain is capable of creating them on their own. And some brains don't do a good job of listening to those chemicals or creating them in enough to make a a significant contribution to your overall well-being. Uh, So medication is still important and still incredibly valid.
1: Yes. And it's a both and. Uh, for some people, they need that support and they can add to that support by engaging in these things. Exactly. Um, when, when these chemicals are in your brain, dopamine, serotonin, and oxytocin in sufficient levels, they all contribute to a sense of feeling closer and connected and happy about the things that are happening around you. So it's a wonderful chemical mixture to help you feel the connection and the love that you want to feel.
0: All right. Well, I definitely, I'm convinced. I am con- I need some gratitude. I want to feel connected and loved. How can I make that a routine and part of my daily life? You said it's going to take me 12 weeks. That's not quite see, what I said. To mm-hmm. see a big impact. You said, okay, you said I can have an, a distinct impact at four weeks, but a large impact at 12 weeks. I'm looking for that large impact. I want to start my gratitude journal. Which, what do I start with?
2: All right. So, the important thing is understand that making it a daily routine might take some time. Uh, it's hard to go from zero to sixty, so make your goals achievable to begin with. I want to one time a week sit down and list things I'm grateful for, two times a week, three times a week, and eventually it becomes a daily thing. But set yourself up for success. Don't expect daily gratitude right off the bat. Make it easy and approachable for yourself. I tell every single client in my office that if you are going to create a journal, go to the dollar store, get you a really crappy $1 composition notebook, toss it in the mud a couple of times, and then start writing in it. When you get one of those very fancy, elaborate gratitude or, you know, writing journals, you look at this and you're like, oh man, I need to put important things in here. I need to be prepared and poised and I need to have the right pen like there's so many expectations that people put on their journals so let's skip that grab a composition notebook let's get started
0: i well okay but sometimes i feel like i want a really nice notebook to write in so that it's like a like that's part of the enjoyable experience It's like I've got my nice pen and my nice notebook and I'm going to like sit in my chair under a lamp and like write my journal.
2: All right, Ben, how many times have you gotten that nice notebook, that nice pen sat under that lamp and actually written in your journal?
0: Yeah, I did talk a big game about a gratitude journal and I'm a very bad journaler. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. This might be the reason.
2: <laughs> right. Because we put that expectation in.
0: I got my nice notebooks right here, but I don't journal in them. I use them for other things, but I don't journal in them. And I tried to journal on my phone using an app. That's hard. Because, well, it's nice because it had a a little daily prompt and it would ping me at the same time every day. So that helps with the habit forming thing. You know, if we're going to use technology to addict ourselves to things, maybe we can addict ourselves to productive things. That was kind of my thought. But... I didn't find all the prompts inspiring, which, you know, that's neither here nor there. I could have just written something else, but I just, I can't make a habit out of it. I've never been able to do it. I don't think I want it enough, but that's just generally journaling. It's not gratitude journaling.
1: Well, so one one of the things though, is that if you have other habits that you really don't miss, like weightlifting or other, like walking the dog, you have to look at how much do I really want this and how much do I just feel like I should want this? And that's yeah. a major, major difference.
2: Dr. Winnick from my grad school always said, don't shut on yourself.
0: It smells bad. I think that in theory, it would be really cool to have like a daily journal over many years. And I know people who do this and I think it would be really cool to be able to like flip open an old one and be like, oh, wow, that's what I was thinking about back then. But the reality is it's just not that important to me.
2: Well, and so I have, I have journaled on and off for a long time. Um, I found a journal relatively recently from like sixth or seventh grade in the very early two thousands. And at the very bottom of one of the pages, it just said, boys suck. And I was like, man, that's still accurate today. <laughs> Good job, little Kim. You knew. I stand by it. Okay.
0: Well, I've kind of derailed this by uh, admitting my own journaling flaws, but let's pretend like I do. I'm very committed to my daily gratitude journal. What do we put in this thing?
2: All right. So I am a huge proponent of starting off small. Your gratitude doesn't have to be like this very big elaborate someone did this cool thing or this amazing thing happened in my life. It can be I went for a walk today and there was a really pretty red leaf on the ground and it made me really happy. Or I got in my car and said red leaf was stuck to my windshield and it made me smile. Or the extra crunchy leaf on your walk that makes the appropriate crunch sound when you step on it.
0: I thought you said country leaf.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Them country leaves, you know, they hit different. So your gratitude doesn't have to be huge. It can be small things. And I think that actually makes it easier to approach. Also, just list one thing a day to start. You know, Don't put the expectation of having to list out a ton of things you're grateful for every day. List out one thing, and that's your start. When I was in grad school and trying to make this a regular thing, I had a huge strip of paper on my wall. And at the end of every day, I wrote the date and one word of whatever was coming to mind. And that was kind of cool because it wasn't, In a list, but my abstract art self loves that. We were talking about apps just a second ago. Another really cool form of gratitude, if you struggle with coming up with words for things and you do much more visual stuff, is taking pictures of things that you're grateful for, taking selfies with friends, pretty red leaves on the sidewalk. Can you tell that I saw a red leaf today? Because I did, and it was awesome.
0: You're feeling very grateful for it, it.
2: I am. It made my day. It was like that perfect shade of autumn red, and it was slightly glowy because the sun was hitting it, and it just warmed my heart. But taking pictures of it, there is an app called One Second Every Day, uh, and it's actually little video snippets, and just taking a one second video of what's around you or something that made you smile, like the cat chasing its tail. <laughs> that makes me smile every time, and then. At the end of a chunk of time, you can actually smash it into a little video and it shows you one second for a good period of time. So keeping track of these things has long-term effects, as was stated earlier. And also when you're feeling down later in the month, in the year, whatever, go back and reread what's made you happy. Even at night before you go to bed, reading what made you happy if you chose to journal earlier in the day. Or journaling right before you go to bed helps you create that sense of positivity. Again, it's important to be kind to yourself while you're creating this routine. Don't expect it to be daily right off the bat. Give yourself the grace of you might forget a day. Cool. That's all right. Be grateful that you remembered today. I accidentally gave myself a challenge for November of listing on Facebook things that I'm grateful for every day. I've been moderately successful I think I missed a few days, but I went back and like backdated and listed some of the things of just like, whoops, I forgot yesterday, but here's the thing that I was grateful for.
0: If I only have to list one thing in my gratitude journal every day and I can list that I'm grateful that I remembered to journal in my gratitude journal, can I get this benefit by just writing that down every day?
1: No, <laughs> because it's not true gratitude, right? That's that's the thing. It becomes a placeholder, and this is now you're trying to do a behavior that you think you should do, but not actually engaging in the behavior.
0: Mm.
2: Now, if you said that, and then I'm also grateful for the dude behind me in traffic who was dancing hardcore in his car. You know, that's one and two. <laughs> Second thing sure. listed,
1: or or even that someone let you in in the highway when you were driving.
2: Well, so yesterday I saw a dude who was like jamming out, lip syncing in his car. And I was like, this makes my soul happy.
1: It's amazing how many things actually do make our souls happy every day, but we don't tend to focus on it. Uh, So this is trying to bring you into the moment. And it's not about ticking off a box. It's about truly trying to get in touch with what you're grateful for.
2: Another really cool idea for trying to maintain this behavior Over periods of time, get a wall calendar and put it somewhere, maybe in your bathroom, because you brush your teeth every day. I hope. And brush your teeth. And while you're brushing your teeth, think about things that you're grateful for and then write it on the calendar as soon as you're done brushing your teeth. That helps you create that habit because you're doing something that's already an ingrained habit and then just adding to it. And that starts to create that chain of making sure that you're doing a thing every day.
0: That's a good idea. Should I toss the calendar in the mud first so that it's not too precious? Maybe. (laughs) That's um, some good techniques for maintaining gratitude. And of course, we talked through why gratitude is important to your own health. What effect does gratitude have on other people around you in your relationships? So
1: research has shown that it has a major positive effect on both business and romantic relationships. So a guy named Losada uh, was looking at what differentiated highly effective teams from low-performing teams. And he looked at the language that they used in their team meetings. What he discovered is that high-performing teams had a ratio of positive comments to negative comments that was at seven to one. So these highly effective teams were much more positive with one another and built off of one another's ideas rather than putting things down or cutting people off. That's kind of amazing. So just through the use of language, they created a much more positive environment and that made them highly effective. Now, the low-performing teams had a one-to-one ratio. So you were as likely to get a negative comment from your teammates as you were to get a positive one. And those teams were less creative and less productive. Hmm. That's a pretty positive outcome. All you have to do is change your language. Small thing. Interestingly enough, Gottman, who we've talked about a million times on this show, in his research about what differentiates highly functioning couples from low functioning couples is a five to one ratio of positive to negative comments. So in all of these things, if you notice the positive that's happening in the relationship, it tends to reinforce and uplift the relationship, creating a positive upward spiral. This is often true in parenting as well. If you notice what your kid does well and tell them that over and over again, they are much more likely to continue to do those things than just castigating them for what they do poorly, which they will now start to do just to irritate you. Right,
0: Castigating them. Wow.
1: Oh, you like that word?
0: (laughs) Yeah, of course.
3: Always.
1: You know, I have a propensity for using large words. The way I've described this particular parenting technique, by the way, is calling the competence in your child. Helping your child see that they are competent and they do contribute in your environment will help them continue to contribute and enjoy contributing to the environment of the family.
2: Then there's me who didn't believe I was competent at all.
1: And yet you still contributed. You would bake with me and cook with me and those kinds of things. Those are the places that you actually felt most confident when you were a teenager.
2: I do like baking and cooking. Mm-hmm. What's really comical is while we've been talking about this, Kelly, a really close friend of mine, sent me a text message that was like, I'm so grateful to have you as a friend. You know, you've been a really positive influence in my life. Da, da, da.
0: Oh, good job, Kelly. Right. Yeah. Checking, checking it off. Getting it done. Right, Played right into <laughs> sending, that. T- t- sending those gratitude letters. Yeah.
2: Well, and is it she, made me smile. I hope um,
0: Kelly's a listener and she hears this.
2: I will make sure she listens.
0: I think it's interesting that Gottman found a lower ratio than the Losada high-performing teams. The, the five-to-one instead of seven-to-one. Right. So Lasada stuff
1: and Gottman's stuff has both been out for a long time. And I've been thinking about that over time. Why would it be different in work instead of in a romantic relationship? And in work, we have fewer points of connection to our co I was about to say that. And in a a romantic relationship, we have many points of connection, so it wouldn't take as much to uplift a romantic relationship as it might for a work relationship. That's my theory, at least. I don't have any research behind it.
0: And this is positive comments to negative comments. I mean, I wonder, too, if you're looking exclusively at a collaborative team's meetings, you know, the point of such a meeting would be to presumably refine a project via positive and negative comments right, and, and critique, right? And that is a particular goal and environment that is a workplace and like a, a romantic relationship is not exactly the same as that. Like not all of your interactions with your partner are conference meetings.
2: <laughs> right, I was about to say a lot of workplaces are probably around critique, what you can do better, or what needs to change. And ensuring that you're also listing out things that are going well creates higher employee morale. Whereas, as Ben was saying, with a relationship, you're not like, here's the thing that you are doing wrong.
1: (laughs) Although I, I will tell you that this morning, so Mama and I like cream farina as a breakfast food in the winter. And although it was not a particularly cold morning this morning, she decided that's what she wanted to make. And it tasted really good. And it was a cool ritual that we've had for years and years and years that starts kind of the fall winter season. And I was grateful for that and said that to her. Hmm. Right. And it's just noticing those kinds of things that makes a big difference in a romantic relationship.
2: Yeah. So first step, notice. Second step, journal. Third step, share. Yay!
0: Okay, so this week we talked about gratitude and its positive role in both your own mental health and your relationships. Also, we learned that I'm a bad journaler. If you've made it to this episode, thank you very much for listening and joining us on this journey. This is the last episode of our first season, and we'll be starting up again next year, probably in January. Don't forget, if you have questions, comments, concerns, or feedback, please shoot us an email at questions at afpsych.com. We'd love to hear from you and we may make changes to the show based on your feedback. Thanks again for listening and we will see you next year.
3: Thank you for listening to the Relationship Road Trip. We hope you enjoyed the episode and we want to know what you think. So write to us at questions at You can also support the show by rating and reviewing us on iTunes or subscribing with your favorite podcast app. You can find more episodes of the show at RelationshipRoadTrip.com or wherever you download podcasts. The Relationship Road Trip comes out every Wednesday at 7 a.m., so don't forget to tune in next week. The Relationship Road Trip is brought to you by Azevedo Family Psychology, where they are dedicated to helping you create a life worth celebrating. You can learn more about their services at azavidofamilypsychology.com. This podcast is produced by Bear Cave Audio. Bear Cave Audio provides a range of audio services, from original composition to podcast recording and editing. To learn more, go to bearcaveaudio.com or email ben at bearcaveaudio.com.
1: Until we meet again, may the road rise up to meet you. May the wind be always at your back, and may the sun shine warm upon your face.